Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am Janice Leibovitz, and you are my People of the Book. And it's been a while, hasn't it? So it's great to be back. And I'm over Pesach, Easter, long weekends, holiday time. I had time to read, finally, and I hope you did too. So today I am giving you a bit of a roundup, a fiction fiesta. So without further ado, I hope that you can grab a pen, paper, pencil, anything where you can write down some of the titles that I'm going to share with you and some in-depth description of the books that I have read over the past few weeks. I hope that you got time to read because, um, and I really hope that you managed to get some downtime and time to relax and spend some time with the people who you wanted to spend time with. I hope it was enjoyable. And um, as I said, I had amazing time to read. I did finally get out of the reading stump that I was in and um, I managed to read quite a few books. So without further ado, let's get into it. The first one was one that I really couldn't put down. And it arrived at my house in a fantastic media drop. Um, thank you to Jonathan Ball Publishers. Really amazing. It's called The Writing Retreat. It's by Julia Bartz. It's a fantastic psychological thriller. If that kind of thing grabs you, it's got a slightly dark edge to it. And it arrived with um, this kind of invitation. You've been invited to join the writing retreat with little slips of paper uh, that were writing prompts and um, pen and things like that. Anything that comes with stationery um, is great in my book. So that was, was awesome. And, of course, the book. So uh, it's really it's about a book deal that's literally to die for. And if something seems too good to be true, then we know that it very likely is. And that is really the case in this book when aspiring writer Alex wins a place on an exclusive writing retreat with her idol, an author by the name of Rosa Vallo. And they often say, don't meet your heroes because uh, they don't turn out to be who you want them to be. And never has the saying been more appropriate. And this is certainly the writing retreat from hell. And although it might sound quite idyllic to begin with, it's the perfect setting and uh, the the people who are selected to go on it think that they're going to be able to get down to writing. It's a remote location and it's quite isolated and it turns out to really be uh, the location itself turns out to be another quite twisted adversary in a book that is beset with atmosphere, tension, and really a sense of threat throughout. And it grabbed my attention right from the beginning. And as I say, I really read it kind of in one and a half sittings. I did have to sleep in between. So um, there was that. So we meet our main character, Alex, and she's at a book launch uh, for a close friend. And it's it's a setting that's usually quite positive. It's quite a happy place. But for her, the, we see the tensions already building because 
she is quite worried that she's going to come face to face with her former flatmate and her former best friend, Wren. And we don't quite know why they are no longer best friends. And that's a theme that carries through a lot of the book, about, about three quarters of the book, in fact. And we soon discover, though, that Wren, the ex-best friend, is also a budding author. And then we find out that she has also secured a place on this exclusive retreat. And you know that the tension is actually going to be off the charts. So they arrive there and they meet this amazing author who is an idol to both of them, this Rosa Vallo. And she, we discover she's actually quite strange. She has some very strange demands and the writing retreat seems more like a bit of a boot camp. It's not going to be an easy ride. And there's a very sinister feel to the whole set up right from the beginning. And quite honestly, for me, any place where there's no phone signal and no Wi-Fi, I would have been out of there immediately. But anyway, uh, they're asking for trouble, and trouble is certainly what they're going to get. I didn't know if I really liked Alex from the beginning of the book. There's a bit of uncertainty about her. I think because of the fact that they, she kept this whole secret about why she was no longer friendly with Ren. It was a closely guarded secret. I wanted to trust her, but there was this question mark hanging over there, over her head, and it just made me feel a bit edgy. You know, was she the innocent party, or is there this like single white female vibe going on? It was hard to know, and it made the whole setup between the characters a bit sparky. There were five people who were chosen, selected apparently from hundreds and hundreds of entrants to go on this retreat. But it actually suited the tone of the book really, really well. Um, you couldn't take anything at face value, no matter how open some of the characters appeared. And as for the hostess herself, her reputation as a horror master was enough to get your skin prickling. And meeting her and seeing her in action, there was always the sense of doubt as to what her intentions were um, for getting these people to her her retreat and it went hand in hand with all the little snippets that were revealed throughout about her personality this is a brilliant brilliant novel with a lot of pace and it'll keep you turning the pages throughout um you try and guess what's coming uh there are a lot of big reveals that that will keep you turning the pages and when they, they do come, you know, some of the really suspect characters who flaunt these untrustworthy natures, there's, there's a lot of deception, there's antagonists hiding in plain sight and other characters hiding secrets that provide keys to the whole story. And, uh, you know, the, you know, because of the setting and because of, of the genre that, that this, this hero, Rosa Vallo, writes in, there is that, that horror-tinged edge that is very dark and there's unease throughout. It's creepy. There's a, this remote, sprawling estate, long-held secrets, and it intensifies throughout till you, you reach the pinnacle of the story. It's, it's really a brilliant novel if you like these types of thrillers. That's The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz.
We are discussing a whole lot of books that I managed to read over the past few weeks. And the next one is really a, a regular. He comes up often. He is so popular. It's Harlan Coben. I mean, he never fails to deliver. Um, and his latest one is certainly doesn't disappoint. It's I Will Find You. And it's a story of a man who is wrongly convict, convicted of murdering his three-year-old son. Sounds horrific, but really it's, it's a thriller in real Harlan Coben style. So it's about David Burroughs, and it's been five years since he was sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder of his son, Matthew. And I love the way that um, it opens. It's, it's um, told in first person. It's David himself narrating. And I love the way it opens. And on the first page, it says, spoiler alert, I didn't do it. So um, after that, you can just imagine how it goes. Our witness testimony claimed um, to have witnessed him burying the murder weapon. And his own hazy memories of the night in question contributed to his own conviction, although he consistently maintained that he's innocent. Since then, his marriage to his high school sweetheart, Matthew's mother, Cheryl, ended, and she herself has moved on. She has married someone else, and she's currently pregnant. He refused to accept visitors. He isolated himself. He cut himself off from friends and family. But all of a sudden... His former sister-in-law, Rachel, a journalist who herself has suffered her own setbacks, both personally and professionally, turns up with a photograph that she's seen that was taken by a friend of hers during a recent trip to an amusement park, and it shows a child in the background who strongly resembles Matthew, the son who he supposedly murdered. Could Matthew still be alive? And if so, whose body did they bury? And if he is alive, where is he now? The first step is breaking out of a maximum security prison. That's not going to be easy. And adding to his problems is a new inmate who seems to have it in for David. Then he'll need to evade the FBI, who are obviously in pursuit. And while he searches for the truth, because David has no doubt that the child in that picture is definitely his son, and he's going to leave no stone unturned in finding him. Surprise, surprise, it quickly becomes evident that there are forces at play who don't want David to find out what really happened five years ago, and they're going to go to any lengths to make sure of it. As we know, Harlan Coben's stories are always well-crafted. They're so engaging, and they reel you in from the very first page, and I Will Find You is no exception. There's the mystery angle that's always well executed. And David and Rachel, the main characters, are both flawed individuals, but you really, really want them to to get to where they're going. You really root, root for them. Uh, there's a strong cast of supporting characters, friends and allies, and um, people who regularly read Harlan Coburn will recognize characters like attorney Heather Crimstein, um, that name will be familiar, as I say, if you regularly read Coben's books. And um, there's also an FBI agent duo by the name of Max and Sarah, and their comedy act will either completely irritate you or delight you. They go quite way beyond the good cop, bad cop act, and uh, they might find that 
kind of messes with a consistent pace in the book, but it doesn't detract from your overall reading. It's an action-packed suspense thriller, and um, as I say, Harlan Coben's I Will Find You will not disappoint. You might have to suspend uh, disbelief or suspend belief for a while, but don't overthink it. And if you don't mind the over-the-top moments, you will enjoy the ride. That's the latest Harlan Coben. The next one is by local author Joe Watson. And this uh, set me totally out of my comfort zone. I do tend to prefer the thriller, crime, police, procedural books. And this one is more of the enemies to lovers rom-com type uh, genre. So not my usual, but such such fun, so light, so enjoyable. Um, as I said, Joe Watson, an extremely popular local author. And this one is called What Happens on Vacation. And again, fabulous, fabulous media drop. Um, it's set in South Africa and Zanzibar. And the story follows Margaret, who is a journalist in serious need of a holiday. Serious seriously needs a vacation. She's stressed. She's gone through a horrible divorce. She's got a heavy workload. Um, she, she lost her father. He passed away. And last and certainly not least, she has an extremely annoying co-worker who knows how to push every single one of her buttons, not in a good way. And she is forced to share a desk with, with this guy who has a name which I have to say really irritated me. <laughs> the name of this coworker is Jagger Villain. So, okay, I don't know where, where authors find the names of their characters, but this one just um, got to me. Anyway, so, as I say, Margaret needs a vacation, and every year she wins the general knowledge quiz that her the, the magazine that she works for, the paper that she works for, runs a general knowledge quiz, and she is the best at general knowledge. She wins the quiz every year, and she really needs to win it this year because the prize is a trip to Zanzibar. And she knows she's going to win, because, and everyone knows she's going to win because she always does, except that this year she and Jagger both win. And... uh off they go. They both win tickets to Zanzibar and off they go for a seven day trip. And she hopes that she's going to be able to steer clear of him. She's going with her mother. She assumes he's taking some girl with him. Surprise, surprise, he turns up with his father. And she still thinks, well, she and her mom are going to enjoy some well deserved downtime and a nice holiday. But to her horror, um, her mom and Jagger's father headed off and they go off into the sunset and she's forced to spend time with Jagger. Um, it's, it's really, as I said, it's light. The banter between the two of them is really funny. Um, it's hilarious and you can see where it's heading. It's totally predictable. Um, just uh, a word of warning to the sensitive and to the possibly more prudish among us, there is a lot of sex. 
especially in the last kind of 40% of the book, a lot of very descriptive sex. So just a word of warning, if that's not your bag, then possibly this one's not for you. But the book itself is a lot of fun. Um, but on the, the, the more serious side of it, it, it looks at, Margaret is actually very rude to Jagger. She is very put out that she's forced to share a desk with this person because she, she works on her own. She doesn't want to share a desk with someone and she immediately gets her back up at being forced to share a desk with him. And she is, she makes no effort to, to get to know him. And she, she has a lot of preconceived ideas. She has her own prejudices against him. And she doesn't want to share her workspace. She never gives him the chance to become her friend. She's, she's shy. She's inhibited. And that's the way that that comes out. And she struggles with relationships. She struggles because of her divorce. And I think a lot of people might be able to relate to the way that she's not able to, um, you know, relate to other people. And she has a lot of issues with her own body image, which is also explored. The story also talks a lot about the, well, not a lot, but it does talk about the history of slavery within Africa. And we learn a bit about how Zanzibar was the center of the East African slave trade and how at one stage human trafficking was the most lucrative business there. So it does give you a bit of, of knowledge as well. And so, I mean, because Margaret and Jagger are, after all, journalists, so they do work with information. So that was that was interesting as well. But on the whole, it's a light-hearted book, and it's thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. So that one is called What Happens on Vacation, and it's by Joe Watson. As I say, she's a South African author, and yeah, support our South African authors. There are really, really good ones out there. The next one is called Amazing Grace Adams. It's by Fran Littlewood. And this one tells the story of um, a life, a marriage, a family. It's set on one single day, uh, a North London day, and it's... It's it's about a life that looks like it's completely imploding, but it's really a powerful celebration of, of womanhood. And there is a genre that is emerging in in women's books about what they they tend to call the invisible woman. And these are women who are um tend to be over forty. They are in that perimenopausal, menopausal phase of their lives. And, uh, it's, it focuses on this cultural and societal perception that these, that women reach this stage of their lives where society perceives them to become invisible. And there are a few books that are being written about this phase of women's lives and how they are feeling that they disappear at a certain age. And how this is actually when they come into their own power. And this is one of these books. The novel actually starts off quite dramatically and 
it instantly had me thinking of that that movie that Michael Douglas was in called Falling Down. It's not quite as as violent as that, but um, you know when you reach that breaking point when everything just explodes. So that's when we first meet Grace Adams. She's forty five years old, and she's she's had it. She has just had it with life, with everything, with with what everything everything that's been thrown at her. And it is on the day that it is her estranged daughter's 16th birthday. And she needs to get to the other side of town. And everything is just conspiring against her. And she need, she wants to collect the daughter's birthday cake and deliver it to her daughter's 16th birthday party, which is, in fact, a birthday party that she has expressly not been invited to. And she has been instructed not to appear at this party. But she is determined. And as the book unfolds, we learn why her 16-year-old daughter is estranged from her. And she is now making this into a quest. And she is going on a journey. And the book, although it takes place over a period of one day, it flashes. There are flashbacks so that we understand how Grace Adams has come to this point in her life. So it's told in three timelines. It's today, we go to four months ago, and then we go back to the early 2000s where Grace meets her husband, Ben. And Ben and Grace are polyglots. And um, if you don't know what that is, it's poly- a polyglot is someone who is... Um, good at languages that's to put it simply so grace herself is is proficient in five languages she has she wins the polyglot of the year in 2002 which is where she meets her husband ben where she meets her husband to be and it fills in the backstory of of their lives together and um, we, we find out how she landed up in her mid-40s with this teenage daughter who doesn't want to see her, with a husband who has served her with divorce papers. Um, she's unemployed. And we discover how she has just lost lost her essence, lost her, her soul. And um, we, we learn a lot about Grace Adams and... What actually does make her amazing? It's all about identity. It's about the anger and and rage that, that many women face daily. And at the center of it, though, is her relationship with her daughter. And I think for those who are mothers of teenage daughters, as the author is, you know, the insight and experience, it's very real. And she plays a lot on the the toxic social media that that influences the lives of these young girls and how it impacts their relationships with each other, with the world around them and with their peers, with their with their parents, with with everything that they and everything that they have to cope with. It's challenging, it's exasperating and it's it's just a lot to deal with. So on Grace's journey, on this quest that she goes on, she 
actually experiences a lot of compassion, a lot of empathy, and it comes from strangers. It's, it's the kindness of strangers, and it calms her and it fascinates her at the same time. And it's 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 a very honest book. It's moving. It's touching. It's poignant. And it's witty as well. It's about loss. It's about family dysfunction. It's about the lack of understanding that often comes from, from the people that are supposed to be helping the most. And it's about the lack of contribution that comes from the places where you seek the most support. And it's, it's very multi-layered and it's emotional, powerful, and it's very touching. And, um, this is surprisingly a debut book. So it'll be interesting to see what comes next from Fran Littlewood. And um, this is a, a really – it took me a long time to get through the book, um, longer than I expected because of the numerous themes that were dealt with. So this is the amazing Grace Adams from Fran Littlewood. And, um, yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. I really enjoyed that. Another one, interestingly, from a local author. Um, I'm going to be quite delicate with this one. Uh, I did ask how to deal with it on air. And it was told that it needs to be called My Year of Not Getting Bleep-Faced. So um, how I tried and failed to give up alcohol and learn the joys of moderation. It's by Pamela Power. Um, who I actually have had as a guest on the show before. Um, this one is Pamela has written novels. This one is a nonfiction book about her own experience with alcohol. She experienced an exceptionally what she calls a wild Mother's Day where she danced like there was no tomorrow, picked a fight with a stranger and collided with the floor. Johannesburg scriptwriter and author Pamela Power was forced to take a hard look at her drinking habits, and she realized that although she didn't need to find an AA group immediately, she might be a serial binge drinker who needed to take back control. It's an honest, humorous account of her year of not getting, as I say, bleep-faced. Um, and she examines her long relationship with alcohol and is shocked to realize just how much of a crutch it was for her. There was always a bottle of wine or Prosecco around to help her with the many demands of her life as a freelancer and as a parent. And she starts her journey to sobriety at the heart of the COVID pandemic as her family faced financial troubles and life in the suburban parks of Joburg. And it's not as blissful as it was. And... She shares her experience and frustration and the benefits of going dry. And actually, she learns that she doesn't have to go completely dry. It's, it's all about moderation. She also shares the various books about moderation that she read along the way. It's really, really an interesting read. It's written in diary form. And she finds a sweet spot between total sobriety and binge moderation. It's, as I say, my year of not getting Bleep-faced. I can't say the complete title on air. It's a swear word, obviously. How I Tried and Failed to Give Up Alcohol and Learn the Joys of Moderation by Pamela Power. I still have some other recommendations for you after this. I love it when you read to me 
This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. You're listening to People of the Book, and today I am chatting to you about just a general fiction fiesta. Just a lot of fiction books that I read over the last few weeks, and I'm just letting you know what is out there, what to look for when you walk into a bookshop. Maybe some of them have um, attracted your attention, hopefully, um, and I hope that you're finding something interesting that um, is something that you might be interested in reading. Um, there are some really good books out there at the moment, and apologies if you're a non-fiction fan. These are just... I mean, I was just in a holiday mood. I was really on vacation mode in the last few weeks. So it was fiction, fiction, fiction all the way. So this is what I'm sharing today. So next up, um, more kind of dark read. Yeah, sorry, that is kind of what I specialize in. But this one is... The Cloisters by Katie Hayes. You've probably seen the cover. It's really, it's eye-catching. And it's about a young woman by the name of Anne who arrives in New York City hoping to spend her summer working at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. But instead, she is assigned to The Cloisters, which is a Gothic museum and garden renowned for its collection of medieval and Renaissance art. And it's actually a... A branch of the Metropolitan Museum of Art and I did do some googling and it's it's fascinating because I'd never heard of it and it I mean it's it's based on a real place and it's it's beautiful it's something that I'd never heard of and something that I didn't know about so Google is your friend so <laughs> it was my friend here. And Anne is drawn into a small circle of very charismatic and enigmatic researchers who each have their own secrets and desires. And included in that is the museum's curator, Patrick Rowland, who is convinced that the history of tarot holds the key to unlocking contemporary fortune-telling. So controversial, yes, and but but really, really interesting if you are open-minded and just willing to learn and read about something that you might not know about. And Anne herself is just relieved to have left her very troubled past behind her, and she just wants to get the approval of these new colleagues who she sees as very sophisticated, very different from the place where she's grown up that she was eager to escape. And she discovers a mysterious and once thought lost deck of 15th century Italian tarot cards. And she finds herself at the center of a very dangerous game. Power, toxic friendship, ambition. And um, the author manages to create this very realistic and visual depiction of what what is going on um, throughout the book. And what is going on at this this beautiful artistic setting. And as I say, once you Google it or once I Googled it, I was able to picture it better. It takes you into this dusky and mysterious, it's almost claustrophobic 
um, it's a, a, as I say, a museum. And these somewhat incestuous work relationships, they're working in very close quarters and they, they form these very close friendships that are quite toxic. And there's a bad boy gardener who doesn't love those. And it's a, an incredible place of research. They study the art of divination and, and they, they study tarot. And it uh, dates back to the Renaissance age, and and what what they what they used and the the means that they used to study their futures and how they they used magic and magicians, and it's 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 a fasc, it's fascinating subject matter, and it's it combines with academic life, art history. And the origin of tarot, it's very enlightening. And there's obviously been comprehensive research. And there's, there's, you know, it, it investigates the conundrum of fate versus free will. It's, it's a slow burn. It's not, um, an exciting, fast paced thriller by any means. So, um, it, although there is a fantasy element, it's not thrilling. In that respect, not fast paced, not, not this page turning wow factor. It's more intriguing than roller coaster thrilling. So that one is The Cloisters by Katie Hayes. Um, again, going off at a complete tangent, totally different. The new Jojo Moyes, someone else's shoes. And, um, I think if you've seen a video that was circulating from Jojo Moyes herself, she says in this video why she wrote this book in particular when she is known for writing books that are tearjerkers, that are, I think she's written a couple of historic books as well. Um, this one is much more lighthearted, um, some might say fluffy, some might use that term that I hate, chiclet. Um, I wouldn't really class it as that. There's a quote from the book that I particularly love. People decide what they think you're capable of based on how you look, doubly so if you're a woman. And if you're a woman of a certain age, that boils down to pretty much nothing. So, like I was saying earlier... The title of the book, though, states so much more than the obvious. It's about walking in someone else's shoes literally and figuratively. And the book is literally about walking in someone else's shoes. It's about two women who accidentally swap bags at the gym. One woman is in a hurry, picks up the wrong bag and rushes off and leaves the other woman with her bag. And it just it spirals from there. And I really don't, I don't want to give too much away. It's, a, it's really a lovely, lovely read. And you get a look into, as these two women do, they get a look into two different worlds and different opportunities and different friendships and different types of people that they never would have ordinarily been exposed to and never would have seen had this switch not have happened. And it's a gorgeous book. It's it's Jojo Moyes. She's a fabulous writer, and she has a fabulous understanding of women, relationships, and the world at large, really. And it has 
a gorgeous dog named Kevin in it that will make you smile. And I still have one or two more. Wait for it. We'll get to it after this. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. You're listening to People of the Book. I'm Janice Leibovitz. And today we are doing a roundup of a whole bunch of books that I read over the last few weeks. It is mainly fiction. I think there was one non-fiction that snuck in there. But as I said, I was really in a relaxed frame of mind and it was fiction all the way. So apologies to the non-fiction fundies. Today was really a feast for the fiction lovers. So the next one is also a really beautiful novel called The Garnet Girls by Georgina Moore. Another novel about family relationships and surprisingly also another debut novel that just shows amazing heart and warmth about sisters and their mother and how they grapple with life, responsibilities, family secrets. And um, it, it asks, you know, do children ever really, you know, do they always have to pay and do their lives always have to answer for the, the mistakes of the parents? And it's about um, a couple by the name of Margot and Richard. And it was, you know, the stuff of legend, as it often is in books and films, but ultimately doomed. And when Richard walked out, Margot locked herself away and she left her three daughters, Rachel, Imogen and Sasha, to run wild and to just look after themselves. And it's based, well, it's based at their family home in Sand Cove. Um, it's the name of the family home. And the three daughters all by now have grown up. And Rachel is a successful attorney, but she's desperate to return to London. But she is the one who is held by family responsibility. And she lives at Sand Cove with her, her husband and her two children. And... um Imogen has become a scriptwriter and an author, and it's wild Sasha who is trapped between the family and a controlling husband, and how they all come together and, and how they all perceive the childhood that they had and how they perceive it differently and how they've all come through it differently. It's an absorbing read. It's a character, very character-driven, and we have the mother-daughter relationships. Margot, the mother, is larger than life. She's very bohemian. Um, completely irresponsible, um, totally less responsible than three daughters, her three daughters who have grown up, but the mother doesn't seem to have done so. And then there's the relationships between the sisters, and they're very different, and, um, and it's, it's how they all come together, how they all reconcile with each other, with their past, with their family history, and with their relationships. And it's, it's just, uh, it's a beautiful book. It's, there's a lot going on and you really get drawn in and engrossed in their lives. So that's The Garnet Girls by Georgina Moore. And unfortunately that is all that we have time for today. So I hope that there was something there that grabbed you. I hope there was something there that you will go out and look for when next you are in a bookstore. 
And until then, take until next time, until next you read, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Um, read whatever you like, but read something, read a book.